Hi there. This is Allison McGee, your host, coming to you on a soft spring afternoon full of birds and breeze and wind chimes and the occasional drone flying overhead, which makes it feel a little like those quizzes where you're supposed to circle the thing that doesn't belong, right? I'm sitting with my laptop propped on my lap, thinking about a letter which arrived yesterday from a listener named Anne in Georgia. Let me read it to you. Dear Allison, I thought of words by winter this week when I was surprised by a big emotional crash. Recently, I was laid off from my job of seven years in what felt to me like a panicky, quick, money-saving decision instead of something well thought out. I got another job in a different field I haven't worked in in a long time, and I thought I was doing okay adjusting to the new job situation. You know, move ahead, make the best of it. And then all of a sudden I felt terrible and was thrown back to other times I felt abandoned or dismissed, like I didn't matter. And I realized that's really how I'm feeling about this sudden job change, like I don't matter and no one cares. It's a shitty feeling. When I read Anne's letter, I wished I could reach across thousands of miles and give her a huge hug. I could feel her pain in my bones, actually in my lungs, these little shallow breaths, constricted chest, rigid shoulders, which is how I react when feelings of abandonment and rejection sweep through me. The way it feels when you're fired, or when you find out a bunch of people you know and maybe love we're all at a celebration and you weren't invited. Or when someone you love breaks up with you. Like, wait, I mattered that little to you? I'm nothing to you? Even, or especially, if you tried and tried and tried. In those times, and there have been a lot of them, what I know intellectually doesn't matter. That rush of panic the sensation that I'm being abandoned, no one cares about me, I'm all on my own, has nothing to do with my mind, nothing to do with rationality. It goes straight to the core of something much older and much deeper, something primal. Anne probably knows intellectually that this was a short-sighted and panicky decision on the part of a clueless supervisor who was probably under all kinds of pressure to cut costs, now, here, in the time of corona. But none of that matters in the face of the awfulness she feels. Later, I talked with Anne, and she told me more about her life, that she'd lost both parents when she was still in her teens, that she'd had to fend for herself from that point on, that she had been working so hard her whole life and even though job offers always seem to come her way unbidden, which proves that she's valued and wanted, 
It wasn't making any difference this time around. This pain was coming from a place beyond words, beyond intellect, beyond reason. I'm sitting here now thinking about Anne, picturing a teenage girl who lost her father and then her mother. And now I'm picturing that first birthday without parents, her college graduation without parents, her wedding without parents. Even if Anne's parents didn't want to leave her behind, even if that was probably the last thing that they had ever wanted, how could it not on some profound level feel like abandonment? Maybe that kind of loss echoes throughout a life. And maybe this particular abrupt and unwanted job loss has brought it all back. You were too young, I told Anne, and life is not fair. Her note made me think of my own children, how hard it is to see them in pain, how much easier it would be actually to go through their pain for them. It wouldn't be right. We all got to live our own lives. But for me, it'd be easier to do it for them than witness their struggle. When they were growing up, I used to worry about what if I died? What could I leave behind that would help them through? You always have yourself. I remember telling one of my daughters. Remember, you always have yourself. You can always be good to yourself, kind to yourself. You can mother yourself in a way. That's what I'm thinking about now with regard to Anne, that maybe she can go to that deep place inside herself, the place that's beyond reason or words, and find not only panic but strength or calm and a kind of reassurance. Her note made me think of a letter that my friend G.E. wrote to me 20 or more years ago. And if I hadn't swapped out my PCs for Macs and if AOL.com hadn't bitten the dust ages ago, I'd be able to find that beautiful letter. But as it is, I've never forgotten what he wrote to me, including this curious question. Allison, are you ready to begin the process of self-blessing? And he followed it with a poem by Galway Cannell titled St. Francis and the Sow. Maybe you already know it. Maybe Anne already knows it. But it's one of my favorite poems of all time. A poem about remembering who we are at the very heart of things. The people we are when we let the outside drop away and let go all the outside judgment that we take on inside ourselves as our own burdens. Somehow the poem is also about abandonment to me even though I'm not sure exactly how. Maybe we abandon ourselves a little bit when those feelings of rejection come rushing in and leave us so lonely. This poem is for Anne, and it's also for everyone.
St. Francis and the Sow by Galway Cannell. The bud stands for all things, even for those things that don't flower. For everything flowers from within of self-blessing, though sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness, to put a hand on its brow of the flower, and retell it in words and in touch it is lovely, until it flowers again from within of self-blessing. As St. Francis put his hand on the creased forehead of the sow, and told her in words and in touch blessings of earth on the sow, and the sow began remembering all down her thick length, from the earthen snout all the way through the fodder and slops to the spiritual curl of the tail, from the hard spininess spikes out of the spine, down through the great broken heart, to the sheer blue milken dreaminess spurting and shuddering from the fourteen teats into the fourteen mouths sucking and blowing beneath them, the long perfect loveliness of sow. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked it, please tell a friend about it and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you're so inclined, we love a good rating. Original theme music for our show is by Dylan Parisi. Additional music by musician Kelly Krebs. Galway Canal's beautiful poem from his collection, Three Books, is used with permission of Houghton Milton. Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, and read by writer and voice actor Luke O'Brien. Words by Winter is created and hosted and everythinged by me, writer Allison McGee. Tell me what you are going through, what uncertainties or troublings you're dealing with. You know what? That's supposed to be troubles, but I kind of like troublings, so I'm going to leave it there. What uncertainties or troublings you're dealing with, maybe in the silence of your own mind and heart, so that I can go in search of some beautiful words to help you through, to help us all through, the way that poems have been helping me since I was a little girl. Life gets too hard, too intense, too much. And if that's where you are right now, please reach out. You can send me a voice memo via email to wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com. Or drop me a note at the same address, which again is wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com. For more info, go to alisonmcgee.com and click on the Words by Winter podcast page. Words by Winter. Conversations, reflections, and poems about the passages of life. Because it's rough out there, and we got to help each other through.